Ever wonder what psychologist moms talk about when we get together? Whether we're consulting one another about a challenging case or one of our own kids, or just leaning on each other when parenting feels hard, because trust me, even when we do this for a living, it's still hard. Joining me each week in these special Thursday shows are two of my closest friends, both moms, both psychologists. They're the people I call when I need a sounding board. These are our unfiltered answers to your parenting questions. We're letting you in on the conversations the three of us usually have behind closed doors. This is Securely Attached, Beyond the Sessions. Hey, everyone. Hi, Dr. Emily Upshur, Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg. Welcome. Hi. So glad you're here. So today, um, we're going to be answering a question from Caitlin, who wrote, My son is four, and he seems to behave way better at school than he does at home. I've never had a complaint from his teacher. And even at home, he listens to my mom when she comes over and is generally good-natured with her. If I tell him to do the same thing, he pitches a fit. Is that normal, or is there something I can do differently? It's so frustrating. Okay, so I really feel you on this one. I think it's really incredibly common and a huge frustration for a lot of parents. Before we jump in to answering it, I just want to make a quick little request. If you are enjoying this podcast, I want to hear it. I want to hear about it. If you could rate and review Securely Attached wherever you are streaming the podcast, that would be so amazing, so helpful. And I just really love reading what you have to say. It helps guide the way that we build out this show. And I think it really helps more parents get this information because it helps with the algorithm. So thank you so much for being part of this community and helping to spread the word so we can raise a generation of healthy and resilient kiddos. So speaking of healthy and resilient kiddos, let's let's answer this mama's question. Um, Emily, I know, this can be like a, such a tricky situation for parents to navigate. Like what are your, what are your initial thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess my initial thought is it's so common, right? You're not alone. This is actually not a non-normative behavior pattern for kids, right? There is a lot of what we call restraint collapse, which means kids hold it together all day and they're trying to quote unquote behave and listen and follow rules or, and then they get home and it sort of all falls out. Right. And that's healthy and that's okay. It's not easy as a parent, but that that's, that can be really healthy and okay. Um, but I do think there's a lot of nuance there, right? Like, you know, how do we prepare for that, manage that and make it the smoothest transition. I think anticipating when you're, if your child is, you know, coming home from school every day and having a really tough time, what can we tweak in, in that transition? I call it the transition shoot. Like, you know, what can we put in the transition (laughs) shoot? Can we put food? Can we put, you know, uh, some wiggle breaks, get your wiggles out? Can we put in some exercise? Can we put in some down regulation? What can we put in that transition shoot? to sort of ease a little bit of that behavior that comes bubbling out in the home front. Yes, totally agree with that. Rebecca, what do you see this if kids that you work with, families that you work with, how do you help parents make sense of this? I mean, I think it's tremendously common. I see it all the time. Um, I think 
it's a human thing, right? I mean, I help parents make sense of it by asking them how they are at their jobs and how they are when they get home. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, sometimes people are like, I'm really great, both places. And that's awesome. Rock out. That means you're having a great day. Other times it's like, okay, but let's say you're really tired and cranky or irritated or anxious. Where are you most likely to let that show and people will say at home. And what I think becomes important and perhaps less obvious is the follow-up question, which is, are you doing that on purpose, Mm -hmm. right? Are you saying to yourself, I'm feeling really anxious, let's say about the news or about whatever. And so I think I'm going to keep it together at work, but when I get home, I'm really going to snap at my partner. And they will, of course, say no. And yet that is what happens. There's something that we understand just on a cellular level about when we are in our safe space with our safe people. We don't choose to kind of, you know, let our true colors out or whatever you want to call it. But but it happens. And so our kids aren't kind of sometimes I think parents think of them as like little, you know, puppet, you know, their marionettes are pulling the strings or like, I'm going to go to school and be awesome. And then I'm going to come home and make my mom miserable. <laughs> you know, and it's, <laughs> that's just not the way it works. And yet, even when we look at ourselves as adults, it's what happens. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really helpful reframe because one, I actually think it helps us have more compassion for ourselves because yeah, we do do that. We sometimes save our ickiest parts of ourselves for the people that we love. I know I was just visiting my parents and I was like, wow, I regress a lot when I go see my parents. (laughs) I'm just so, I'm like a teenage kid with my mom sometimes and I'm like, whoa. And I notice it, but like not always. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's like, oop, yeah, we got to recognize like this is a human thing. I also think like I'll say this a lot to parents to try to help them feel better about it because it's still really crappy in the moment when your kid is just making it so difficult in the evenings or right after school or whenever. And even like what this mom says, even at home, like with one parent or one caregiver, they might be totally like, okay. And with another, they're like, I also don't think one, that's not a sign that they don't feel safe with that other parent, right? Um, Like if a kid is like really good with dad and really messy with mom, that's not to imply that they don't have a safe relationship with dad necessarily. Like that's not what that means. It's just, you know, sometimes it's also patterns. Sometimes it's also learned responses and learned ways. So like, obviously at the school level, like in a totally different setting where they have to keep it together all day, they just kind of intuitively understand. And there's a lot more structure in those settings that like, I can't really like blah, let it all out right now. Like that's not a safe place to do it. It's this more foreign, there's more things, there's more risk in that place. I can't go there. I have to hold it in. I know that kind of, again, on an unconscious level. And then when I get home, it's like, well, I can't, that's that restraint collapse you were talking about, Emily. But I also think there's something about like within the home or we're like in that safe space, presumably, and you see it shift with different care providers or parents. I also think part of it is like patterns of responses, mm-hmm. right? So like a kid is really also unconsciously kind of trying to figure out where are the edges with each person they have a relationship with. 
And so different parents who have different styles of responding to different behaviors in a child might be tighter or looser with their consistency in their responses. And therefore, a child kind of learns, okay, these are the edges with this parent and these are the edges with this parent. And so they actually show up a little bit differently with different parents. And I also think that's pretty typical and normal also. And parents show up differently with different kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. they often say that, you know, first kids and second kids are raised in totally different homes. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you're, and I mean that metaphorically, right? Even if you're raised in the exact same home, there's a lot of research showing it's actually totally different. I mean, I think because we show up so differently at different times in our lives or, you know, So I think this pattern that comes through this question is a tremendously common one. But once you dig a little bit deeper, it all gets, you know, quite individual and complicated. Yeah. Right. I love to think of it as I like that you use use the word patterns because, and I think this is obviously to your point, Rebecca, very complicated, but I also think like sometimes it becomes a habit, right? Like Mm -hmm. it isn't necessarily, you know, it's a little bit of a muscle memory on its own. Like I come home and I sort of like, blah you know, like it's a habit. It's something I just do because I've gotten used to doing it. And like, I sometimes talk to parents about like, can we shake that habit up a little? Like, can we introduce something a little bit different in the routine, you know, just to be mindful of thinking about how that works, um, and the nuance with different relationships. But sometimes it's not some big, huge psychological thing. Sometimes it's kind of like a behavioral pattern or a habit. Yeah, to that point, Emily, I rem- that just made me think of something that we've done. <clears throat> and it wasn't even, I don't think it was so conscious, but it definitely illustrates exactly what you're describing. So typically when my kids come home from school, it's, you know, a little downtime, dinner, bath time, bed. But it was like, since camp started, it was like, that just was not working for our family. Like it was just, it was a mess. Like waiting for dinner to get cooked was icky. And then no one was sitting at the table and everyone was, nobody wanted to eat anything, even though they were starving. And then bath time was like a disaster. It was just not working. And my husband just like in, I don't even know if it was, it wasn't like a, oh my gosh, this is so bad. We have to come up with a new plan. He was just like, I'm doing bath time first. It just makes more sense. And started doing bath time. And then they come downstairs and eat dinner. And then we go like brush teeth, do our bedtime routine. And it shifted. It really should. It's by no means is it nice every night. But I think that that is for, honestly, I think it was just the shift, the switching things up, the making that, breaking that habit or those cues for that habit to be enacted that has been a big help. And I didn't even think about it in terms of that. But yeah, I think that... And it doesn't need to be that particular switch, but just this idea of like, can I just shake things up a little bit, like move the order of operations a little bit so that I can just reset the cues that might be unconsciously triggering this habit to get played out. Yep. Because I think you'll find, like people say this to me a lot, and, and we know this when we are working with parents of anxious children doing, you know, space or supportive parenting for anxious childhood emotions. It's like, if your kid has a pattern of having an anxious habit at home, but then you're on vacation, sometimes they don't do it, right? Like they don't, you know, they never sleep in their own bed, but then on vacation, they sleep in their own bed, right? Right. It, it changing enough of the pattern, the habit, the environment can sometimes shift things. It's no, I'm not, I don't want to insinuate it's a magic stick, but there is there, it's worth a shot 
um, if you're feeling a little stuck in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to this mom's question, to the piece of her question, which she says, is there something I could do differently? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can try switching things up, but if it's really also just your kid is going to emote more with you, I don't know that you have to necessarily view it as a problem that you must solve by doing something differently too. Like perhaps we can also say it's okay that they are messier with you. Mm -hmm. It's okay that they push more limits with you, which I like to reframe as like safety seeking, (laughs) like just check in. Hey, are you in charge here or am I in charge here? I can't tell. Let me just make sure I push all the way to the end (laughs) just to see (laughs) if you're definitely going to be consistent and hold that boundary. Um, And so, yeah, we can tighten up a little bit, but I don't even know that we have to change as much as we have to sort of say, yep, this is, this makes sense. Um, And it might not change. And I, and I just want to highlight you, you said it, Sarah. So at the risk of being redundant, I just want to really, um, highlight it, that if the opposite is true, you know, that your child is great with you and terrible at school or great with you and terrible with another parent, and I'm using words like great and terrible, even though we just did an episode about not labeling your kid that way, but I'm doing it by way of shorthand. Um, it doesn't mean that the attachment with you is not healthy or safe. Like there's a lot of things that can be going on. You know, if your child's having a really hard time at school and is great with you, it doesn't mean that they feel safer at school than with you. Mm-hmm. It may mean a host of different things. And it's certainly something, you know, by all means to get perhaps some guidance or support on. Similarly, if they're falling apart with your partner and not with you. I just think a lot of times parents, because we all, frankly, sometimes feel so insecure about our parenting because of cultural messages and whatnot, parents frequently take the message that we're providing in this episode and just immediately hear the inverse. Um, <laughs> right. You yeah. know, and yeah, I just yeah. think it's really important to say over and over and over again, that's just not true. We're answering one person's question about a very frequent pattern, but it doesn't, there's no implications that we're not saying about any of the inverse things that might be going on with mm-hmm. your kid. Yeah. I think that's a very important point because I do think like, I've heard this question before. I've answered it before. I've heard other people answer it. The The, the general response to the question, why is my kid you know, an amazing with one person, like amazing outside with all these other people. And then they come home with me and they're like a total nightmare often is you're their safe place. They can let it out with you. And it makes sense that they're holding it in all these other places. And I do think the, that we run the, while I do think, like you said, Rebecca, in the aggregate, that tends to be the case. Um, and can be very validating for parents to understand that, that, there are lots of situations when, um, you know, it is not always <clears throat> going to be able to be explained that way. And it doesn't mean, to your point, the inverse, right? It is very common for kids to, it is also very common for kids to really have a hard time at school because maybe they're having a challenge with their teacher and it keeps it's just they can't hold in the eruption or that type of structure is really, really challenging for them. And like we said, for some kids, 
that is, that structure is harder, which is why they're able to sort of hold it in. They know, like, I can't really, I kind of have to have my A game on here. But for some kids, that A game is inaccessible. And we see all the kind of everything kind of seeping out through the cracks at school. That does not mean that school is their safe place and you are their not safe place. Oftentimes, I think also those kids that are losing it at school are also losing it at home, right? It's that they're just dysregulated kind of in many places because they're easily dysregulated and and aren't able to hold it in at school either. Um, So I think it's important. I don't want parents who do not see this pattern in their kid to immediately assume I'm not my kid's safe place. I think that any dysregulation is just our approach should be what's going on, right? So if it's happening at home or if it's happening at school, it just means that there's something we need to pay more attention to and maybe shift our approach to. So I don't think it has these declarative statements, sort of like what you're saying, Sarah. It's not like your kids, school is safe, home is not, home is safe, school is not. You know, it's more like you're having a disruption in this environment and what, why, you know, can we unpack that a little? Can we shift that a little? And can we think about that as the place that something is showing up and trying to figure out how to apply different strategies, skills, environments to those rather than assume that one is bad and the other one is good. <laughs> Back to Rebecca's non-declarative statements. But, you know, I think, I think the question is more like, okay, so this is calling our attention to this thing. Okay. How can we think about it differently? How can we change things up a little? You know, how can we intervene in a different way? Yeah. I'm so glad I have you guys here. I feel like this is like, I, I feel validated in my parenting struggles because you guys are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. It's not easy. There's like, and it's not easy to give a single answer. Mm-hmm. Like as a parent, I feel validated by you guys, but as a psychologist, I feel validated too, because I'm like, I want to answer people's questions. And half the time I do, I give them two completely contradictory answers. Cause it's like, this could be the case and this could be the case. And so sorry, listeners, when we get all like. <laughs> well, because, the, the, because the context always needs to be and podcasts don't allow for this. But, well, I don't know. Tell me a little bit more about you and tell me a little bit more about your kid and tell me a little mm-hmm. bit more about your family and your culture and your community. You know, And then maybe, maybe I'll be able to answer your question. And so you know, we do the best we can without that information. But of course, that should always be the, the assumption is that that's the information we need to really be able to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, I think it is really hard to get the nuance in this podcast. Although that is why I was like, it has to be in a podcast and it can't be on Instagram because I am like, I get, you know, you, you really cannot communicate this level of nuance and complexity in a little square, which is unfortunately where a lot of parents are receiving their parenting information. And I'm, listen, I post on Instagram. Rebecca, you post on Instagram. Like, go to Instagram, get that stuff, get that information, stay connected, like, whatever. That's great. You know, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but be an educated consumer of the content you're consuming because even people who 
have very good intentions of trying to explain these complicated things well, it's you're going to lose the nuance in sound bites. And so what I hope you are taking away from this podcast in general, but certainly this episode is you have to sort of know what questions to ask, but you've got to ask them and you've got to answer them for you and your kid. But taking this information to help you frame what's the right question to be asking. And maybe that will help you land on the right answer for you. And if you don't know how to answer it, then it's also so okay to get support, like individualized support, because sometimes the sort of general support doesn't exactly address the nuances and the complexities and the unique situations of your family. And individualized support can be really helpful there. And that's not failing at it. <laughs> that's just being effective in the way that you're gathering your information and building your toolbox. Totally. Yeah, totally agree. Well, this was lovely. I've got more questions and I will, and we will answer them next Thursday. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. As you can hear, parenting is not one size fits all. It's nuanced and it's complicated. So I really hope that this series where we're answering your questions it really helps you to cut through some of the noise and find out what works best for you and your unique child. If you have a burning parenting question, something you're struggling to navigate, or a topic you really want us to shed light on or share research about, we want to know. Go to drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question to send in anything that you want Rebecca, Emily, and me to answer in this new series, Securely Attached Beyond the Sessions. That's drsarahbren.com forward slash question. And check back for a brand new Securely Attached next Tuesday. And until then, don't be a stranger.